6. H is larger than the body it illuminates, falls on more than half of it, and produces much compound shadow, the effect of light at different distances, 182, of the shadow cast by a body placed between two equal lights, a body placed between two equal lights will cast two shadows of itself in the direction of the lines of the two lights, and if you move this body placing it nearer to one of the lights the shadow cast towards the nearer light will be less deep than that, which falls towards the more distant one. Further complications in the derived shadows 183, 187, 183. The greatest depth of shadow is in the simple derived shadow because it is not lighted by either of the two lights ABCD. The next less deep shadow is the derived shadow EFN, and in this the shadow is less by half, because it is illuminated by a single light. That is CD. This is uniform in natural tone because it is lighted throughout by one only of the two luminous bodies, but it varies with the conditions of shadow. Inasmuch as the farther it is away from the light the less it is illuminated by it. The third degree of depth is the middle shadow. But this is not uniform in natural tone, because the nearer it gets to the simple derived shadow the deeper it is. And it is the uniformly gradual diminution by increase of distance which is what modifies it. That is to say the depth of a shadow increases in proportion to the distance from the two lights. The fourth is the shadow KRS and this is all the darker in natural tone in proportion as it is nearer to KS because it gets less of the light at O but by the accident of distance it is rendered less deep because it is nearer to the light CD and thus is always exposed to both lights. The fifth is less deep in shadow than either of the others because it is always entirely exposed to one of the lights and to the whole or part of the other and it is less deep in proportion as it is nearer to the two lights and in proportion as it is turned towards the outer side xt, because it is more exposed to the second light of E footnote, the diagram to this section is given on place V to the left is the facsimile of the beginning of the text belonging to it. 184. Of simple shadows. Why? At the intersections, of the two compound shadows EF and ME is a simple shadow photic as at the H and MG while no such simple shadow is produced at the other two intersections CD made by the very same compound shadows. Answer. Compound shadow or a mixture of light and shade and simple shadows are simply darkness. Hence, of the two lights and, one falls on the compound shadow from one side, and the other on the compound shadow from the other side. But where they intersect no light falls. As at a B, therefore it is a simple shadow. Where there is a compound shadow one light or the other falls, and here a difficulty arises for my adversary since he says that, where the compound shadows intersect, both the lights which produce the shadows must of necessity fall and therefore these shadows ought to be neutralized, inasmuch as the two lights do not fall there. We say that the shadow is a simple one and where only one of the two lights falls, we say the shadow is compound and where both the lights fall the shadow is neutralized, for where both lights fall, no shadow of any kind is produced, but only a light background limiting the shadow. Here I shall say that what my adversary said was true, but he only mentions such truths as are in his favor, and if we go on to the rest he must conclude that my proposition is true, and that is, that if both lights fell on the point of intersection, the shadows would be neutralized. This I confess to be true if neither of the two shadows fell in the same spot, because, where a shadow and a light fall, a compound shadow is produced, and wherever two shadows or two equal lights fall, the shadow cannot vary in any part of it, the shadows and the lights both being equal, and this is proved in the eighth proposition on proportion where it is said that if a given quantity has a single unit of force and resistance, 
a double quantity will have double force and double resistance. Definition. The intersection is produced by the shadows caused by the light. Because this light produces the shadow XB and the shadow SB but the intersection is produced by the light which causes the shadow SA and the shadow XA. But if you uncover both the lights of E then you get the two shadows and M both at once. And besides these, two other, simple shadows are produced at RO where neither of the two lights falls at all. The grades of depth in compound shadows are fewer in proportion as the lights falling on, and crossing them are less numerous. 186. Why the intersections at being composed of two compound derived shadows, forms a compound shadow and not a simple one as happens with other intersections of compound shadows. This occurs, according to the second diagram of this prop, which says, the intersection of derived shadows when produced by the intersection of columnar shadows caused by a single light does not produce a simple shadow, and this is the corollary of the first prop, which says, the intersection of simple derived shadows never results in a deeper shadow, because the deepest shadows all added together cannot be darker than one by itself, since, if many deepest shadows increased in depth by their duplication, they could not be called the deepest shadows, but only part shadows. But if such intersections are illuminated by a second light placed between the eye and the intersecting bodies, then those shadows would become compound shadows and be uniformly dark just as much at the intersection as throughout the rest. In the first and second above, the intersections IK will not be doubled in depth as it is doubled in quantity. But in this third, at the intersections G and they will be double in depth and in quantity. 187. How and when the surroundings in shadow mingle their derived shadow with the light derived from the luminous body. The derived shadow of the dark walls on each side of the bright light of the window are what mingle their various degrees of shade with the light derived from the window, and these various depths of shade modify every portion of the light, except where it is strongest. At to prove this let Dia be the primary shadow which is turned towards the point, and darkens it by its derived shadow, as may be seen by the triangle ED in which the angle faces the darkened base Dia E, the point faces the dark shadow S which is part of a D and as the whole is greater than, a part, which faces the whole base of the triangle, will be in deeper shadow than which only faces part of it, in consequence of the conclusion shown in the above diagram, will be less darkened than, because the base of the is part of the base of the, and in the same way it follows that is less in shadow than, because the base of the is part of the base of the, and is the terminal point of the derived shadow and the chief beginning of the highest light. Footnote, the diagram on place ID. Number 5 belongs to this passage, but it must be noted that the text explains only the figure on the right hand side. Fourth book on light and shade. On the shape of the cast shadows 188191. 188. The form of the shadow cast by any body of uniform density can never be the same as that of the body producing it. 189. No cast shadow can produce the true image of the body which casts it on a vertical plane unless the center of the light is equally distant from all the edges of that body. 190. If a window B admits the sunlight into a room, the sunlight will magnify the size of the window and diminish the shadow of a man in such a way as that when the man makes that dim shadow of himself. Approach to that which defines the real size of the window. He will see the shadows where they come into contact, dim and confused from the strength of the light. Shutting off and not allowing the solar rays to pass, the effect of the shadow of the man cast by this contact will be exactly that figured above. Footnote, it is scarcely possible to render the meaning of this sentence with strict accuracy, 
mainly because the grammatical construction is defective in the most important part line 4. In the very slight original sketch the shadow touches the upper arch of the window and the correction here given is perhaps not justified. 191. A shadow is never seen as of uniform depth on the surface which intercepts it unless every portion of that surface is equidistant from the luminous body. This is proved by the seventh which says, the shadow will appear lighter or stronger as it is surrounded by a darker or a lighter background. And by the eighth of this, the background will be in parts darker or lighter, in proportion as it is farther from or nearer to the luminous body. And, of various spots equally distant from the luminous body those will always be in the highest light on which the rays fall at the smallest angles, the outline of the shadow as it falls on inequalities in the surface will be seen with all the contours similar to those, of the body that casts it, if the eye is placed just where the center of the light was, the shadow will look darkest where it is farthest from the body that casts it, the shadow CD cast by the body in shadow B which is equally distant in all parts, is not of equal depth because it is seen on a background of varying brightness. On the outlines of cast shadows 192, 195, 192, the edges of a derived shadow will be most distinct where it is cast nearest to the primary shadow. 193, as the derived shadow gets more distant from the primary shadow, the more the cast shadow differs from the primary shadow. 194, of shadows which never come to an end, the greater the difference between a light and the body lighted by it, the light being the larger, the more vague will be the outlines of the shadow of that object, the derived shadow will be most confused towards the edges of its interception by a plane, where it is remotest from the body casting it, 195, what is the cause which makes the outlines of the shadow vague and confused, whether it is possible to give clear and definite outlines to the edges of shadows, on the relative size of shadows 196, 197, 196, the body which is nearest to the light casts the largest shadow, and why, if an object placed in front of a single light is very close to it you will see that it casts a very large shadow on the opposite wall, and the farther you remove the object from the light the smaller will the image of the shadow become, why a shadow larger than the body that produces it becomes out of proportion the disproportion of a shadow which is larger than the body producing it, results from the light being smaller than the body, so that it cannot be at an equal distance from the edges of the body footnote 11, H. Ludwig in his edition of the old copies, in the Vatican Library in which this chapter is included under NOS, 612, 613 and 614 alters this passage as follows, quella parte piu propinque piu crescele distanti, Although the Vatican copy agrees with the original Niz in having distant in the former and propin K in the latter place, this supposed amendment seems to me to invert the facts. Supposing for instance, that on place XXXI number 3, is the spot where the light is that illuminates the figure there represented, and that the line behind the figure represents a wall on which the shadow of the figure is thrown, it is evident, that in that case the nearest portion, in this case the under part of the thigh, is very little magnified in the shadow, and the remoter parts, for instance the head, are more magnified, and the portions which are most remote are made larger than the nearer portions for this reason, why a shadow which is larger than the body causing it has ill-defined outlines, the atmosphere which surrounds a light is almost like light itself for brightness and color, but the farther off it is the more it loses this resemblance, an object which casts a large shadow and is near to the light, 
is illuminated both by that light by the luminous atmosphere, hence this diffused light gives the shadow ill-defined edges. 197. A luminous body which is long and narrow in shape gives more confused outlines to the derived shadow than a spherical light, and this contradicts the proposition next following, a shadow will have its outlines more clearly defined in proportion as it is nearer to the primary shadow or, I should say, the body casting the shadow, the cause of this is the elongated form of the luminous body a CNC, effects on cast shadows by the tone of the background, 198, of modified shadows, modified shadows are those which are cast on light walls or other illuminated objects, a shadow looks darkest against a light background, the outlines of the derived shadow will be clearer as they are nearer to the primary shadow, a derived shadow will be most defined in shape where it is intercepted, where the plane intercepts it at the most equal angle, those parts of a shadow will appear darkest which have darker objects opposite to them, and they will appear less dark when they face lighter objects, and the larger the light object opposite, the more the shadow will be lightened, and the larger the surface of the dark object the more it will darken the derived shadow where it is intercepted, a disputed proposition, 199, of the opinion of some that a triangle casts no shadow on a plane surface, Certain mathematicians have maintained that a triangle, of which the base is turned to the light, casts no shadow on a plane, and this they prove by saying that no spherical body smaller than the light can reach the middle with the shadow. The lines of radiant light are straight lines, therefore, suppose the light to be GH and the triangle LMN and let the plane be IK, they say the light falls on the side of the triangle LN and the portion of the plane IQ thus again like falls on the side L, M and then on MN and the plane PK. And if the whole plane thus faces the light's GH it is evident that the triangle has no shadow, and that which has no shadow can cast none. This, in this case appears credible. But if the triangle NPG were not illuminated by the two lights and, but by IP and and neither side is lighted by more than one single light, that is IP is invisible to HG and will never be lighted by, hence PQ will be twice as light as the two visible portions that are in shadow. Footnote, 5-6. This passage is so obscure that it would be rash to author an explanation. Several words seem to have been omitted. On the relative depth of cast shadows to 0, 0, 0, 200. A spot is most in the shade when a large number of darkened rays fall upon it. The spot which receives the rays at the widest angle and by darkened rays will be most in the dark, A will be twice as dark as B because it originates from twice as large a base at an equal distance. A spot is most illuminated when a large number of luminous rays fall upon it. D is the beginning of the shadow DF and tinges but little, DE is half of the shadow DF and gives a deeper tone where it is cast at the net, and the whole shaded space gives its tone to the spot. 201. A N will be darker than CR in proportion to the number of times that a B goes into CD. 202. The shadow cast by an object on a plane will be smaller in proportion as that object is lighted by feebler rays. Let DE be the object and DC the plane surface, the number of times that DE will go into FG gives the proportion of light at FH to DC. The ray of light will be weaker in proportion to its distance from the hole through which it falls. Fifth book on light and shade. Principles of reflection 203, 204, 203. Of the way in which the shadows cast by objects ought to be defined. If the object is the mountain here figured, and the light is at the point. I say that from BD and also from CF there will be no light but from reflected rays. 
and this results from the fact that rays of light can only act in straight lines, and the same is the case with the secondary or reflected rays. 204. The edges of the derived shadow are defined by the hues of the illuminated objects surrounding the luminous body which produces the shadow. On reverberation. 205. Of reverberation. Reverberation is caused by bodies of a bright nature with a flat and semi-opaque surface which, when the light strikes upon them, throw it back again, like the rebound of a ball, to the former object, where there can be no reflected lights. All dense bodies have their surfaces occupied by various degrees of light and shade. The lights are of two kinds, one called original, the other borrowed. Original light is that which is inherent in the flame of fire or the light of the sun or of the atmosphere. Borrowed light will be reflected light, but to return to the promised definition, I say that this luminous reverberation is not produced by those portions of a body which are turned towards darkened objects, such as shaded spots, fields with grass of various height, woods whether green or bare, in which, though that side of each branch which is turned towards the original light has a share of that light, nevertheless the shadows cast by each branch separately are so numerous, as well as those cast by one branch on the others that finally so much shadow is the result that the light counts for nothing. Hence objects of this kind cannot throw any reflected light on opposite objects. Reflection on water 206, 207, 206. Perspective. The shadow or object mirrored in water in motion, that is to say in small wavelets, will always be larger than the external object producing it. 207. It is impossible that an object mirrored on water should correspond in form to the object mirrored. Since the center of the eye is above the surface of the water, this is made plain in the figure here given, which demonstrates that the eye sees the surface of E and cannot see it at LF and at RT, it sees the surface of the image at RT and does not see it in the real object CD hence it is impossible to see it, as has been said above unless the eye itself is situated on the surface of the water as is shown below. In the original NIS the second diagram is placed below line 13. Experiments with the mirror 208 208. The mirror. If the illuminated object is of the same size as the luminous body and as that in which the light is reflected, the amount of the reflected light will bear the same proportion to the intermediate light as this second light will bear to the first. If both bodies are smooth and white. 209. Describe how it is that no object has its limitation in the mirror but in the eye which sees it in the mirror. For if you look at your face in the mirror, the part resembles the whole inasmuch as the part is everywhere in the mirror, and the whole is in every part of the same mirror, and the same is true of the whole image of any object placed opposite to this mirror, and see. 210. No man can see the image of another man in a mirror in its proper place with regard to the objects, because every object falls on the surface of the mirror at equal angles, and if the one man, who sees the other in the mirror, is not in a direct line with the image he will not see it in the place where it really falls, and if he gets into the line, he covers the other man and puts himself in the place occupied by his image. Let N.O. be the mirror, the eye of your friend and your own eye. Your friend's eye will appear to you at, and to him it will seem that yours is at, and the intersection of the visual rays will occur at, so that either of you touching will touch the eye of the other man which shall be open. And if you touch the eye of the other man in the mirror it will seem to him that you are touching your own. Appendix, on shadows in movement 211, 212, 211, of the shadow and its motion. One two bodies casting shadows, and one in front of the other, 
are between a window and the wall with some space between them. The shadow of the body which is nearest to the plane of the wall will move if the body nearest to the window is put in transverse motion across the window. To prove this let and be two bodies placed between the window and M and the plane surface OP with sufficient space between them as shown by the space of B. I say that if the body is moved towards the shadow of the body which is at will, move towards 212 of the motion of shadows. The motion of a shadow is always more rapid than that of the body which produces it if the light is stationary. To prove this let be the luminous body, and the body casting the shadow, and the shadow. Then I say that in the time while the solid body moves from to, the shadow will move to, and this proportion in the rapidity of the movements made in the same space of time, is equal to that in the length of the space moved over. Thus, given the proportion of the space moved over by the body to, to that moved over by the shadow to, the proportion in the rapidity of their movements will be the same. But if the luminous body is also in movement with a velocity equal to that of the solid body, then the shadow and the body that casts it will move with equal speed. And if the luminous body moves more rapidly than the solid body, the motion of the shadow will be slower than that of the body casting it. But if the luminous body moves more slowly than the solid body, then the shadow will move more rapidly than that body. Sixth book on light and shade. The effect of rays passing through holes 213, 214, 213. Perspective. If you transmit the rays of the sun through a hole in the shape of a star you will see a beautiful effect of perspective in the spot where the sun's rays fall. Footnote, in this and the following chapters of Nisi the order of the original paging has been adhered to, and is shown in parenthesis. Leonardo himself has but rarely worked out the subject of these propositions. The space left for the purpose has occasionally been made use of for quite different matter. Even the numerous diagrams, most of them very delicately sketched leopard and numbered, which occur on these pages, are hardly ever explained, with the exception of those few which are here given. 214. No small hole can so modify the convergence of rays of light as to prevent, at a long distance, the transmission of the true form of the luminous body causing them. It is impossible that rays of light passing through a parallel slit, should not display the form of the body causing them since all the effects produced by a luminous body are in fact the reflection of that body, the moon, shaped like a boat. If transmitted through a hole is figured in the surface it falls on as a boat-shaped object. Why the eye sees bodies at a distance, larger than they measure on the vertical plane. Footnote, this chapter, taken from another mismay, as an exception, be placed here, as it refers to the same subject as the preceding section, on gradation of shadows 215. 216, 215, although the breadth and length of lights and shadow will be narrower and shorter in foreshortening, the quality and quantity of the light and shade is not increased nor diminished, the function of shade and light when diminished by foreshortening, will be to give shadow and to illuminate an object opposite, according to the quality and quantity in which they fall on the body, in proportion as a derived shadow is nearer to its penultimate extremities the deeper it will appear. GZ beyond the intersection faces only the part of the shadow marked YZ, this by intersection takes the shadow from MN but by direct line it takes the shadow M hence it is twice as deep as GZYX by intersection takes the shadow NO but by direct line the shadow NMA therefore XY is three times as dark as ZG, XF by intersection faces OB and by direct line O and MA therefore we must say that the shadow between FX will 
be four times as dark as the shadows e.g. because it faces four times as much shadow. Let a B be the side where the primary shadow island and BC the primary light, will be the spot where it is intercepted, FG the derived shadow and FE the derived light, and this must be at the beginning of the explanation. Footnote, in the original is the text of number 252 precedes the one given here. In the text of number 215 there is a blank space of about four lines between the lines 2 and 3. The diagram given on place VI. Number 2 is placed between lines 4 and 5. Between lines 5 and 6 there is another space of about three lines and one line left blank between lines 8 and 9. The reader will find the meaning of the whole passage much clearer if he first reads the final lines 11-13. Compare also line 4 of number 270. On relative proportion of light and shadows to 16 to 216. That part of the surface of a body on which the image's reflection from other bodies placed opposite fall at the largest angle will assume their hue most strongly. In the diagram below, 8 is a larger angle than 4. Since its base at N is larger than E and the base of 4, this diagram below should end at N for 8. That portion of the illuminated surface on which a shadow is cast will be brightest which lies contiguous to the cast shadow. Just as an object which is lighted up by a greater quantity of luminous rays becomes brighter, so one on which a greater quantity of shadow falls, will be darker. Let 4 be the side of an illuminated surface for 8, surrounding the cast shadow GE4 and this spot 4 will be lighter than 8, because less shadow falls on it than on 8, since 4 faces only the shadow IN, and 8 faces and receives the shadow E as well as IN which makes it twice as dark, and the same thing happens when you put the atmosphere and the sun in the place of shade and light, the distribution of shadow, originating in and limited by, plane surfaces placed near to each other, equal in tone and directly opposite, will be darker at the ends than at the beginning, which will be determined by the incidence of the luminous rays. You will find the same proportion in the depth of the derived shadows and as in the nearness of the luminous bodies and which cause them, and if the luminous bodies were of equal size you would still farther find the same proportion in the light cast by the luminous circles and their shadows as in the distance of the said luminous bodies. Footnote, the diagram originally placed between lines 3 and 4 is on place VI. Number 3. In the diagram given above line 14 of the original, and here printed in the text, the words corpo luminoso luminous body are written in the circle, luminoso in the circle and ombroso body in shadow in the circle. 217. That part of the reflection will be brightest where the reflected rays are shortest. The darkness occasioned by the casting of combined shadows will be in conformity with its cause, which will originate and terminate between two plane surfaces near together alike in tone and directly opposite each other, in proportion as the source of light is larger, the luminous and shadow rays will be more mixed together, this result is produced because wherever there is a larger quantity of luminous rays, there is most light, but where there are fewer there is least light, consequently the shadow rays come in and mingle with them, 218, in all the proportions I lay down it must be understood that the medium between the bodies is always the same, the smaller the luminous body the more distinct will the transmission of the shadows be. One of two opposite shadows, produced by the same body. One is twice as dark as the other though similar in form. One of the two lights causing them must have twice the diameter that the other has and be at twice the distance from the opaque body. If the object is lowly moved across the luminous body, and the shadow is intercepted at some distance from the object, 
there will be the same relative proportion between the motion of the derived shadow and the motion of the primary shadow, as between the distance from the object to the light, and that from the object to the spot where the shadow is intercepted, so that though the object is moved slowly the shadow moves fast. Footnote, there are diagrams inserted before lines 2 and 3 but they are not reproduced here. The diagram above line 6 is written upon as follows, at a loom light, at the audiato body, at the ombre audiato shadow of the object, 219, a luminous body will appear less brilliant when surrounded by a bright background. I have found that the stars which are nearest to the horizon look larger than the others because light falls upon them from a larger proportion of the solar body than when they are above us, and having more light from the sun they give more light, and the bodies which are most luminous appear the largest, as may be seen by the sun through a mist, and overhead, it appears larger where there is no mist and diminished through mist, no portion of the luminous body is ever visible from any spot within the pyramid of pure derived shadow. 220. A body on which the solar rays fall between the thin branches of trees far apart will cast but a single shadow. If an opaque body and a luminous one are both spherical the base of the pyramid of rays will bear the same proportion to the luminous body as the base of the pyramid of shade to the opaque body. When the transmitted shadow is intercepted by a plane surface placed opposite to it and farther away from the luminous body than from the object which casts it it will appear proportionately darker and the edges more distinct. Footnote, the diagram which, in the original, is placed above line 2, is similar to the one, here given on page 73 section 120, the diagram here given in the margin stands, in the original, between lines 3 and 4, 221, a body illuminated by the solar rays passing between the thick branches of trees will produce as many shadows as there are branches between the sun and itself. Where the shadow rays from an opaque pyramidal body are intercepted they will cast a shadow of bifurcate outline and various depth at the points. A light which is broader than the apex but narrower than the base of an opaque pyramidal body placed in front of it, will cause that pyramid to cast a shadow of bifurcate form and various degrees of depth. If an opaque body, smaller than the light, casts two shadows and if it is the same size or larger, casts but one, it follows that a pyramidal body, of which part is smaller, part equal to, and part larger than, the luminous body, will cast a bifurcate shadow, i.v., perspective of, 